It is uh, my privilege to get a chance to, uh, to preach today, and um, as many of you know, I, I went on a sabbatical this last, uh, last summer. I was there for, I was on that for about eight weeks, and uh, spent a lot of time during that uh, that period uh, in in the Psalms and uh, using uh, time in the Psalm uh, in the Psalms to um, have the Lord uh, refresh my heart and my mind and my soul and uh, just really uh, appreciated what the Lord was doing in uh, in me during that time and uh, one of the Psalms that uh, I came across was Psalm 37 and we're going to be looking at Psalm 37 today and I just loved how practical it was and how uh, the Lord is so good to teach us things that are helpful for us in our walks and helpful for us in uh, in real life. He knows exactly what we're going to face and uh, has instructions for us and so we're going to see that uh, this morning and so when Doug said uh, earlier, uh, late summer, said, I think we're going to go into the Psalms uh, during fall and I think that'll be good for our church and f- even for uh, our soul and uh, so um, I crafted an email to him and, and said, hey, I see you're under quite a bit of uh, stress right now trying to get your doctoral stuff done and I'd be happy to preach a Sunday if that would be helpful for you and then somehow my pinky had a little tremor and actually sent the email and, uh, and, so, and so that, that mistake and in my dexterity has you in the place that you are in today and me in the place that I am in today. So, um, but uh, by the Lord's grace, I think we'll hear more from him than hopefully me anyway. And uh, so over the last month, we have been in the Psalms and we spend, I uh, have been spending time in, uh, we spent time in Psalm 1 and 2, uh, which are very descriptive in nature. And, uh, and it, it kind of tells us what it looks like to have faith and follow God and, and to do it in the context of a broken world. And uh, then we've seen a couple of, of faith prayers in Psalm 3 and Psalm 5. And uh, now we come to a, a very different type of psalm. Uh, this psalm is intended to teach. And it goes right after teaching us very quickly. And it's written by David through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I believe uh, God is speaking to us today to give us some instructions for life. And uh, the form of this psalm or poem, uh, and uh, I think it's helpful for us to remember what we're kind of literature we're going to. This is a, a song or a poem, and it is, uh, it's an acrostic poem, uh, one that starts with the, the beginning of the Hebrew alphabet, and then every couple line goes to the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And because of that form of this psalm, there's a lot of it, and there's lots of psalms, really, if you look at the book of psalms that feel like this, it feels like they're jumping all over the place, uh, to, um, and, and so it's, sometimes it gets hard to follow. And uh, it was helpful for me as I was thinking through this song, this poem, just to realize that what we're reading here is artistic. And um, some of us struggle with following artists. Um, um, and, and let me tell you why. 
it, it's because you think that artists are strange. And you're right. Um, I deal with them all the time, and we are strange. I'll lump myself a little bit into that category. And, and, uh, but I love uh, the way God makes us all different and think differently and express our relationships with the Lord in different ways and ways that are helpful for lots of different people. And it's important, and I think it's really cool that God has a section of Scripture uh, full of poems and songs for us to relate to him in and for us to learn in and to learn in different ways. And so um, uh, this, uh, it shouldn't be read like narrative portions of scripture, uh, which take you through a story and uh, are very logical. It shouldn't be read like the epistles, which are oftentimes logical and, and contextual, but it should be read like the poem that it is. It was helpful for me to also think of it, since, since we're talking about songs and artistic, to think of it more like, uh, more like a symphony. Uh, when I was in college, I studied music, and we had uh, music history and music appreciation classes, and we'd take uh, uh, songs of uh, classical nature, and we would study them and study how they were written and, and how it was done. And if you think about uh, a symphony, if you think about, like, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, it starts with dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun. And that theme, that's the theme kind of of the song, that theme happens multiple times throughout, this, the, throughout that classical piece. And it, it happens at, at the very beginning, it happens at minute two, it happens at minute five. And then in between that, there's different themes that Beethoven is working on. And then he'll even take that original theme and he'll flip it around or put it in a different key and develop it in a different way, just artistically, to be able to, to hear that theme and to understand that theme. And that's how artists think and work. And this psalm is very similar. So hang with me today. We're going to be jumping around this these verses quite a bit. Psalm 37 is a, is a chapter in Psalms that's like 40 verses long, 39 verses long, but we're going to look at the first 11 verses. It's going to develop the themes of the whole psalm really well for us and I think be very helpful. So Psalm uh, 37, 1 through 11, before I read it, let's uh, ask for the Lord's um, voice to be heard today. Father, um, it is um, you that we gather for. It is to hear from you that we sit in these seats week after week. It is to hear from your word. It is to see you active and working among us and to see your glory on display in how you're changing us through the gospel and how you're changing us through your word. And um, I pray that the spirit would be active uh, now in our hearts, that we would be receptive, that we would be um, hearers of this word, and uh, that we would be doers of it as well. And um, thank you for um, just your uh, loving nature um, to, um, to communicate with us in this way. And so we listen, and uh, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 37, 1 through 11. Fret not yourself because of evildoers 
Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourselves, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Fret not, he starts out, verse 1. I love how he gets to it. Stop it. Stop fretting. Stop worrying. Quit it. And it's just simple. I can understand that, right? You can understand that. There's, I don't need to expound upon that more for you to hear the Lord saying, stop fretting. Fret to become vexed or worried, a synonym that we use today uh, and is used elsewhere in scripture is anxious. And uh, This Psalm 37 isn't an isolated place in Scripture where God talks about anxiety. In Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus himself three times in that section says, Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. And he even has a rhetorical question in there. Why are you so anxious? And... He's talking about why are you anxious about where you're going to live and what you're going to eat and what you're going to do. And, um, and then later in Scripture, Paul piles on in Philippians 4, 6, 4, 6 and says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So don't be anxious about anything. That pretty much covers it. Um, And uh, in Psalm 37, it's kind of telling us, you can see in verse 1, don't be anxious because of evildoers or evil that you may see in the the world. And um, so between this passage and Christ and Paul saying, don't be, be anxious about anything, I think we've got our message. And, um, So stop fretting. Uh, But I think this psalm is is great because it's got some uh, helpful things for us. Um, We uh, we the problem is is we fret a lot actually. Uh, In America, uh, there's 40 million people that have been diagnosed with some kind of anxiety disorder. Um, The 
National Institute of Mental Health says 38% of girls 13 to 17 and 26% of boys of the same age category have an anxiety disorder. So we're passing it down to the next generation as well. And I think there's probably a lot of contributing factors that we could come up with. Um, some of them being maybe the instant information that we have access to all the time, the alarmist and apocalyptic headlines that we uh, drown ourselves in uh, with our devices. Uh, We can, uh, at two in the morning, if we're having trouble sleeping, just rehearse the struggles that our world is going through with nuclear nuclear apocalypse uh, because of North Korea or the modern politics or money markets crashing or terrorist activity or mass shootings and the list goes on and we're drowning in this kind of information and it's causing our world to be full of anxiety and if what's going on in the world right now isn't enough to make us anxious we perpetuate that anxiety, we feed that anxiety with constant notifications and alerts and feeds that we subscribe to, and then we post things on Facebook and look around and and fret about whether or not someone likes my little picture of Bobby from Halloween this last week, and does they think that his costume is cool and... um, And then we wonder when we go to social media to consume, like, what am I going to miss if I'm not there in the next five minutes or the next 20 minutes? And wonder what so-and-so said about this. And we have celebrity worship problems. And uh, we worship uh, the idol of success. And so we're busier and busier to get to that success. And all of it is contributing to our anxiety. And I... Uh, just typed into Google anxiety in America and article after article after article from the Post, the Washington Post, the New York Times, USA Today was full of, of we have an anxiety problem and uh, we are increasingly anxious. Everybody knows it. We knowingly contribute to it, and we are ill-equipped to deal with it. Not one of the articles that I read gave any sort of a solution for our problem. And how does fret and anxiety hurt us? We have trouble sleeping. We have trouble Uh, Waking up in the middle of the night, anxious and worried, we um, have this uneasy feeling throughout our days. Some of us are restless uh, to the point of we now um, create devices for our children to help them with their restlessness. Sorry, buddy, fidget spinners, I know. Um, And uh, we have people that struggle with panic attacks and... um, We're increasingly irritable and uh, easily angered. And if you wrap all that up, we have no peace. 
And then rather than deal with all of this anxiety and fret and worry uh, through a scriptural lens, we mask it. We mask it with some kind of a substance or some kind of a distraction or something that we can consume. And, uh, And it's not just the world around us. It's us too. Like we in the church, we that claim to be followers of Christ, struggle with this as well. And I, and I don't say all this to say that we stink. And uh, um, I, I say this because I struggle with it. And I think uh, you struggle with it and we all struggle with it. And the reality is, is it's, um, the struggle is real. But if Jesus said in Matthew, don't be anxious, and Paul says in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, well, let's look at this psalm to see uh, some weapons for combating this anxiety. Uh, See um, how uh, God uh, is saying through David, how we can be a distinct people in an age of anxiety. So let's look a little bit closer at this passage. Let's, uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Verse 1 says, Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Verse 2, For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Seven, fret not yourself over the person who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Verse 9, for the evildoers shall be cut off. Verse 10, in just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you, care, though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. God's helping us here and saying why we should not fret. Why fret not? And if you sum up these verses, this, these uh, jumping around, these themes, it's the source of your fret is temporary. The source of your fret is temporary. Fret not because we should have an eternal perspective. Anxiety is founded on a lie that what we see and feel right now, what we're experiencing right now is is all that there is and that it is chaos and that no one is on any throne anywhere and that evil is winning. That's the lie. But hear God say this from his word, what seems like prospering now is not it will show its true fruit in eternity. Verse 10 said, in just a little while, the wicked will be no more. And verse 2, for they will soon fade like the grass. What a great analogy uh, grass is for things that are temporary. Do you remember back in the spring, the beautiful spring and the green grass that popped up, and how excited some of you were to get your lawnmower out and your weed whacker out to then create this beautiful green carpet lawn with no holes and no bugs and no dandelions, and you cover it with chemicals, and you have this beautiful green grass. 
And then three weeks later, it stops raining and it looks like a dumpster fire. (laughs) But some of you controlling people have sprinkler systems. And at six in the morning, you start your sprinkler system and you keep it not looking like a dumpster fire all through the summer and you pay pay exorbitant amounts to the water company so that you can keep that luscious green grass. But the joke is on you, (laughs) my friend, because guess what? It's now fall and we're going into winter and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Your grass is going to look like a dumpster fire in like three weeks, and you can't fix it. And that is what is going on with these temporary things in life that we struggle with anxiety with. Like we put our hope and trust in these things that are fading like grass. What seems like prospering is not. It will show its true fruit in eternity. These evil circumstances that are going on around our world, this struggle that you're having with whatever, it will, it seems like it's prospering now, but time and truth, they walk hand in hand. And the truth is, is that God is on the throne and his hands are on the thermostat of your life. And if we believe what scripture says and that he is working all things for our good and his glory, we've got to have an eternal perspective and get our eyes off of the, uh, the, the things that are wasting away around us and get our eyes on the eternal We are eternal beings, and if we believe Scripture, what Scripture says about the end, the end is settled. And so why are we spending so much time fretting and worrying over these temporary things? So why fret not? Because the source of our fret is temporary. And let's read verse 8. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. You see, fret, worry, anxiety, they don't lead you anywhere good. It tends only to evil. But let's be honest, like some of us really like to be anxious. Like we almost love that feeling. And uh, uh, we cling to anxiety and fret like a, like a little Linus blanket, thinking it brings us some kind of comfort or solace, or it gives us this feeling of control. At least I can be anxious about this thing that I can't control. I can control my anxiety, and so I'll do that. Haven't you ever said to somebody, like going into this conversation, you're just like, I know I'm not supposed to be worried about this. And then you spend the next 10 minutes telling the person why you're going to be worried about that thing. And then towards the end of the conversation, you make sure that they don't tell you that you can't be worried about it because you've told them all the reasons why you have to be worried about it. Like we love 
at times, our anxiety. And God's saying, stop it. Fret not. Nothing good comes from it. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. That word fret, the Hebrew word that, it, that it's translated from, uh, it, it oftentimes in scripture is translated to burn with anger. And uh, you see at the beginning of that verse, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Sometimes we think worrying about something makes us feel better, but the reality is it's leading us down a dark path, a path of anger, a path to resentment, a path towards bitterness. And this is a loving heavenly father saying to us, don't go down this path, it's dark You don't want to go here. Don't hurt yourself. And I love that our Heavenly Father warns us this way. So why fret not? Because what you're fretting about is temporary. And it leads only to bad places. But God just doesn't tell us why not to fret. And what to put off, which fret, we're going to put fret off. But like he does oftentimes in scripture, he says put off and then he says put on. What are we going to replace fret with? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at verse 3. Trust. Trust in the Lord. Verse 5. Trust in him. And he will act. We're going to replace our fretting and our anxiety with trust. But what is the object of our trust? It's uh, trust in the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, the one true God, the one who holds eternity in his hands. Trust in the Lord. But that can sometimes be easier said than done. I mean, if you were to analyze your life right now, what would it show that you're trusting in? And most of the time, anxiety stems from a misplaced trust. Trusting in your bank account? I'm guessing you've got some fret about uh, the stock market reports and your retirement portfolio? Are you putting too much trust in security and health? What's going to happen when someday the doctor gives you a diagnosis that's unfavorable? Do you have a lot of anxiety about the political, cli- the political climate right now? What's that revealing about what you're trusting in and where your trust lies? You fill in the blank. What is your anxiety revealing about what you're trusting in? You see, none of those things, none of these temporary things were meant to be trusted, trusted in or relied upon. Trust in the Lord. Yah, Yahweh is the only one that's worthy of our trust. And why, why is he the one that's worthy? 
We know he's all-powerful, but in five we see trust in him and he will act. This all-powerful Lord, Yahweh, the one true God, he is active. He's involved. He's moving for his glory and our eventual good. You can bank on that. The God of the universe is alive and well and he's on the move. He will act. And so we can trust him, trust in the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. So what does trust look like? How do we show that our trust is in the Lord and not in these temporary things that, cause, that are causing our anxiety? Well, let's continue in verse 3. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Anxiety is oftentimes a paralyzing thing. And it is a thing that causes you um, to get stuck. And you focus on the thing that's causing you this anxiety. And you stop pursuing things that the Lord would have you pursue. And it's causing you to get stuck and to look at yourself and be selfish and to be a navel gazer. And you're not doing good. But the man or woman of God who trusts knows that whatever it is that's going on, God God has it. He is active and I can get back to doing good. I can get back to doing the things that he's called me to. Trust in the Lord and do good. Get busy. Stop fretting. Trust the Lord and get busy on the things that he's called you to. Serve your family. Serve your faith family. Serve your community. Get busy doing good things. It goes on to say dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. We're replacing fret with trust and we're doing good and then we're going to be faithful. We're going to dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Show who you trust by just doing life. Dwell in the land. God has you in a certain place and a certain time for a certain reason. He wants you to be doing good in that place, blooming where you're planted, and be faithful. Faithfulness is so rare in our culture today. And as believers, we should be the most faithful people on the planet Jill reminded me in between services, anxious people aren't faithful people. They're usually jumping from thing to thing, worrying about the next thing they can be anxious about, and they're struggling to be faithful and to follow through with anything. So we show our trust in the Lord by doing good and being faithful. And and I love how it says, befriend faithfulness. Befriend faithfulness. You know how a friendship works if you've had good friends. Um, It's something that grows deeper and more fulfilling over time. And it takes time to develop. And faithfulness is like that. You, You may not see immediate results, but keep doing, keep 
blooming where God plants you and be faithful to those things and the people he's put you around and see how that deep trust in the Lord will produce fruit. So trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, befriend faithfulness. And now verse four, delight, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Pursuing delight and pursuing joy is hardly our problem. You and I wake up every morning trying to figure out how you can squeeze as much joy out of that day as you possibly can. And the problem is, is what we're delighting in. And this is saying, delight yourself in the Lord. And then not only do we misplace our delight in other things, we usually um, get the rest of this verse, verse backwards, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And we think, man, as a Christian, I should get everything my little wicked heart desires. God exists to grant my wishes. And we read this verse wrong. What it's actually saying is that if you first delight yourself in the Lord and the Lord alone, the desires of your heart are going to change. They're going to change into God's desires And when you are pursuing God, those desires change. And as you uh, pursue those new desires, you will forever continue to have delight in the Lord. Psalm 1611 reminds us that in his presence, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We As C.S. Lewis says in The Weight of Glory, spend way too much time playing in the mud to find joy rather than finding our satisfaction in God alone. And so show your trust in the Lord by delighting in him. And if you want to explore a bit more what it means to look Uh, like delighting yourself in the Lord, I would encourage you to read some uh, John Piper with your extra time. He has um, spent his life with that pursuit of helping the church figure out what it looks like to delight yourself in the Lord. His seminal work, uh, Desiring God, is a difficult, studious read, and I would Uh, encourage some of you to do that. And then for the rest of us, um, The Dangerous Duty of Delight is a summary of that book. And uh, it it will do well for you if you don't have the time for Desiring God. Um, But uh, delight yourself in the Lord. So trust, do good, be faithful, delight yourself in the Lord. And verse 5 How else do we show? Commit your way to the Lord. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Commit in your heart and mind and actions that trust in the Lord is the only way. By thinking it, feeling it, by doing it. Um, uh, commit, uh, the Hebrew word literally means to, to roll. Uh, roll your anxiety into a commitment to trust in the Lord. A commitment to trust in Yahweh, not just for a week and a half and see how it goes, but to commit to it, set your life on it, pursue it over a lifetime and see what God does. I know that we have some seasoned saints in our midst that have this characterizing their life, this commitment to trusting in the Lord, and they would love to tell you what they've seen over a lifetime and the, the fruit that it produces to trust in the Lord this way. I, I'm not going to single them out, but Jill and I have a very special person <clears throat> in our life that we've seen just this commitment to trusting in the Lord and uh, the difficult circumstances when they come to it And uh, we're all going to get there, right? We're all going to have these things that could cause anxiety in our life. But if we've shown a commitment to this kind of trust, when those things come up, it doesn't cause anxiety. It just causes us to go deeper, deeper with the Lord. And um, the results are astounding. And then... I love this about the Lord. Verse 7. Be still before the Lord. Most of these ways that we show that we trust in the Lord are very, um, very active. They're, they're hard work. It's hard work to uh, be faithful and to commit, and to do good. And many of our days should be marked with that kind of work, doing good, being faithful, committing, and delighting in the Lord. And many of our days should be um, full of those kinds of effort. But some of our days should be spent being still. Be still before the Lord, refreshing your soul in who he is and what he's done and and getting into his word and finding out the reasons why I should trust him and, and continuing to go deeper into him so that you can trust him more. Be still before the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes uh, our showing who we trust is done by what we do. And sometimes, sometimes a word that speaks louder of the testimony of who you trust is what you don't do and how you're still before him. Be still before the Lord. And then it goes on and says, and wait. And wait patiently for him. The end of verse 9, it says, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit 
the land. Wait. It goes back a bit to the eternal perspective that we talked about earlier. We want everything to be microwaved. We want our situations fixed, and we want them fixed now, and when I say they need to be fixed, and yet sometimes the Lord is saying, trust in me, in who I am, and wait. Sometimes we wait a week. Sometimes we wait a month or a year. Sometimes even a lifetime in situations And never see them rectified. And yet God says, show your trust in patiently waiting for my timetable. And so we replace our fret and our anxiety and our worry and we replace it with trust in the Lord, and we show that trust by doing good, blooming where we're planted and being faithful, by delighting ourselves in the Lord and the Lord alone, by committing to that kind of life and committing to the Lord and being still before the Lord and waiting patiently for him to act and to know that it is on his shoulders and not mine. And when we do that, verse 11 tells us what kind of things we can expect. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Abundant peace is not something that characterizes our culture, but it should be something that characterizes our church. It should be something that characterizes us as followers of Jesus Christ. If we have this kind of trust in the Lord, the result is a peace And a peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 7, Paul, after he says, don't be anxious about anything, says that you can have a peace that passes all understanding and will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We have that kind of peace available to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, through trust in our God. And so the result of that for us as believers is this peace. But also, it's not just about us, right? Like we exist for God's glory. And so when you have this kind of a trust that leads to this kinds of peace, it speaks of a, of a God, of Yahweh, who really is the one true God. You're Peace is not just for you, but it's also for people to see and experience God's glory in that peace. If you had a peace that passes all understanding in whatever circumstance that life is going to throw you, that is going to look very different. And that look is going to show who you trust in, and that's showing off God's glory in your life. And that's going to speak to a world that is longing for peace. 
And so what would it look like for you to respond and to put off fret and to put on trust? What would it look like for us to be a people, a a church that's characterized for for, um, characterized by that kind of trust and peace? How much would it show off the glory of God? How much would it show off the worship of our God? And so let's bow our heads and let's pray. And maybe you're even thinking of a situation right now that you're struggling with. You're struggling with anxiety and worry and fret and you know that it's showing a misplaced trust. And why don't you just take a minute to give that over to the Lord and to put off that fret and put your trust in the Lord and what he can do. And Father, we want to commit ourselves to trusting in you. And we want to show that trust. We want to show that kind of trust in Yahweh, the one true God. Show it by doing good and being faithful and doing the things that you've called us to do. We confess at times that we're terrible at this. And that we get sidetracked by anxiety and fret. And it paralyzes us and it distracts us. And this morning we want to recenter and uh, put our trust where it belongs. And commit to that and be still even in this moment before you rehearsing in our minds who you are and who you've said you will be and who Jesus is and the Savior that we have who removes our sin as far as the east is from the west and who has eternity in his hands and we trust in that God. take our eyes off of the temporary and we put them on the eternal. And we do pray that as we're growing and changing in this and as we commit to this kind of trust and this faithfulness that it would show off your glory. that it would make much of your name, that Jesus Christ would be exalted because of it. And so we even just take this time to respond and to say that we trust you. We trust you, God. In Christ's name.